This is the Amblecote Christian Centre podcast. So welcome to the second of three podcasts on the subject of God and rest. We're in this series, Kingdom Living, and uh, Tim's asked me to speak on God and rest, or more specifically on the Sabbath. It's been a great joy, really, to have the opportunity over the last few years to dig a little bit deeper into this subject of God and rest, this idea of Sabbath. And in the first podcast, um, I set out two things. I, I set the scene for the exploration of the subject of God and rest. And then I looked at this difference between religious observance. Uh, the whole point of Sabbath rest is not about a, a, a set of rules, a tick list, um, versus this whole idea of divine intention. So religious observance versus divine intention. Divine intention, what do I mean by this? The idea that God had a radical plan for Sabbath, for rest, and that we must not allow it to be hijacked by approaching rest in this sort of legalistic fashion. If you haven't listened to this, I'd highly recommend. That's the starting point, really, with the introduction. And so in this podcast, I'm going to talk about five things. Number one, Sabbath is a part of creation. Just as God is the author of our material world, so he is the author of time. And Sabbath testifies to this. We're going to look at the uniqueness of Sabbath rest, the fact that he blesses this day as unique by making it holy. More about that in a moment. Thirdly, Sabbath is a celebration of God's design. He is the architect of both work and rest. And when we rest, we celebrate God's good design. Fourthly, we'll look at how God designates Sabbath as a reminder of his redemption. And then lastly, we're going to look at this whole idea that rest or that Sabbath is culture subverting. Sabbath subverts our culture. It declares that your and my value and worth are not linked to work. So firstly, the icing on the cake of creation. God created the Sabbath. Listen to this verse from Genesis 2, verse 2 in the English Standard Version. And on the seventh day, God finished all his work that he had done, and he rested from all the work that he'd done. Listen to the words again, because at first reading we can, we can miss the point of the words. And on the seventh day, God finished all his work. Now this seems a little bit puzzling at first, because surely, as Exodus tells us, it was in six days that the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and he rested on the seventh. That is what Exodus 20 verse 11 says. So we'd expect this verse to tell us that God finished his work on the sixth day. Fascinating. In ancient rabbinic tradition, they concluded that a supreme final act of creation took place on the seventh day. Genesis is the account of God's astonishing handiwork. It tells of how he gives shape and substance to all things. They're created by the power of his spoken word. So heaven and earth were created in six days and then on the seventh day, in an act of creation, God brings all of his work to completion. How does he bring his work to completion? How does he finish creation? How does he finish his creative work? On the seventh day, in his stopping, God creates the Sabbath, which the Hebrew word manuah, meaning rest or ease. The Hebrew language is in many ways much richer than ours, and this word uh, is much, much more than taking a day off, more 
than uh, the freedom from the pressures and strains of a working week. It conveys more than simply stopping activity of any kind. So really, this word manure is, is not a negative concept, but something very positive. In fact, one writer very poetically says, this word can be more accurately translated as joyous repose, tranquility, peace, and even harmony. And in fact, in later times, this word manure becomes a synonym for eternal life. That's fascinating. So Sabbath rest becomes a point at which we get a taste of heaven. So God doesn't, uh, after six days' work, rest in the sense of taping, taking a nap or chilling out. It's not just a day off. It's a state of being. Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his great book, The Sabbath, says this. Just as heaven and earth were created in six days, manure was created on the Sabbath. After six days of creation, what did the universe still lack? Manure. Came Sabbath, came manure, and the universe was complete. A remarkable thought. God crafts, he creates a space in time called Sabbath and his creation is complete. You see, for true rest to exist, it needs to come from the author of creation himself. It needs to be created by the creator. Sabbath is not an afterthought. It's not a break in the grindlers of endless effort and work. Sabbath is wholly and intrinsically a part of the world that God made for us to enjoy and delight in, just as he did on the seventh day. In fact, man is made on the sixth day, the first day that man experiences, is this day of rest. So man works from rest, not for rest. So Sabbath, Sabbath is the icing on the cake of creation. God created Sabbath by his own resting. So firstly, Sabbath is the icing on the cake of creation. He creates it by his own resting. Secondly, the seventh day, the, the, the Sabbath, the, this day of rest, is a day that stands out unique from all other days. Why do I say that? Because the scriptures teach it, God uh, consecrates the Sabbath. Listen to Genesis 2 and verse 3. Listen to these beautiful words. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Probably this word holy is, is one of the most legendary words in the Bible and I think in many ways perhaps sums up the mystery and majesty of God himself. So to what or to whom does God first attribute this quality? Uh, maybe we might imagine it might be a mountain in which he appeared, perhaps an altar or even a building of description, some description. But of course, no, it's, it's none of these. In the book of Genesis, we read of the story of God's completion of creation. And remarkably, it's here that we first hear the use of this word, the word holy. It's extraordinary. And I think it's really worth noting that this is not used in relation to things, but to time. Remember the verse? And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. 
There's no reference to God attributing this to any other object other than time. The seventh day itself, the Sabbath, God declares holy. As we've already said, if we thought in more conventional ways, we'd normally associate this whole concept of holiness, this word holy, um, with a place, not a time. So that whole sense of a holy mountain or temple, Somewhere God has visited in a profound way, a holy space or place. The Bible declares that it's holiness in time that comes first. Heschel again writes in his little book, The Sabbath, he says this, The dawn of civilization, there was one holiness in the universe, holiness in time. This concept of holy, the Hebrew word kadosh, infers uh, differentiation. So if something is holy, it's set apart from the ordinary, set apart from our normal habitual way of living, set apart from our sort of secular life. It sort of conveys something that is unique, distinct and consecrated. We might even say sacred. Another way to put this might be to say that Sabbath was intended to be a sanctuary in time. So it's not a surprise uh, that the commandment uh, to keep the Sabbath comes after the Israelites build the tabernacle in Exodus 31. Just as God creates a sanctuary in space, which needed some clear boundaries, you'll remember the text, courtyard surrounded by a fence to keep it holy and separate from the ordinary so uh, sabbath as god's sanctuary in time this too requires boundaries to separate it from the other six days of the week um, i recall it was in 2017 i had this great joy and privilege of visiting israel i have to be honest that i thought that uh, prior to going, the Jewish, Jewish Orthodox observance of Sabbath was sort of like this countless list of regulations um, that in some ways maybe betrayed their religious compulsion and their need to be compliant. And yet I was astonished um, to find out that in many cases this was simply not true. In fact, honouring the boundaries that protect uh, for Jewish people, honouring the boundaries that protect the sanctity of Sabbath from their daily routine of the working week. And, of course, that never-ending list of to-do items um, brought them and their families great freedom and peace and enjoyment. Um, they enjoyed the freedom of not checking email, cleaning their house, mowing the lawn, kids' clubs and activities, even watching their favourite TV programmes. Uh, their conversations aren't interrupted by phone calls and by texts because you just don't do that on Sabbath. The shops are shut. Who needs a shop on Sabbath anyway? Religious compulsions? Uh, I think maybe not. I think we could do with a piece of that freedom. So it's a unique day. Its designation is holy, separate, and it's obviously for our freedom. This idea of Kadosh, holy, really does imply this differentiation from the other six days of the week, from the common or from the ordinary. So the Sabbath is a sanctuary in time, 
and listen, this requires boundaries to separate it from the other six days of the week. So maybe something we can think about is how do we boundary, create some boundaries around specific time, which we would declare as rest, that's separate from the common, the ordinary, the routine, the habitual, all of that, that great big to-do list and jobs list, where it is separate from and unique and can be a place of restoration, healing and wholeness. So thirdly, thirdly, Sabbath is a celebration of our design. God is the architect of both work and rest. Listen to these words from Exodus chapter 20. If you've got your Bible with you, it's worth turning to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. And this is how they read. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember what holy means? It means a sanctuary in time that requires some boundaries. Six days a week you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So rest is a sequel to work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. You see, it is true to say God has designed us for work, but we're also designed for manure, for Sabbath, for rest. Interestingly, Exodus 20 ties our responsibilities of both work and rest to God's creative order, God's creation. Biblically, work is us participating with God in creation and in creating. That's a definition for work, if you would. He invites us to join him in work. So the requirement to work, in this case, for six days, is as much our participation in creation as his instruction to rest. Humankind, represented uh, in Genesis, you'll remember, by Adam and Eve, are invited to work together for the sake of creation. Genesis 2 verse 15 says that uh, 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 the mandate for humankind is to cultivate it and to keep it. There's this sense in which God creates us to work. And we know the Bible warns us as well, don't we, about the consequences of our neglect or failure to follow this blueprint. If you have time, Proverbs 10 verse 3 or 2 Thessalonians 3 10 through to 12, emphasize this very fact. The Sabbath, as a day of withdrawing from work then, this is not a devaluation of work. It doesn't mean that work is less than rest. In fact, try and get your head around this, in fact it validates the worth of work. Because God works, so do we. And of course, because God rests, then we must also rest after our work. The, the rhythm of work and rest is for everyone as part of our created nature. Therefore, 
If we don't work or we don't rest or we work and have no rest, then we violate our created nature. So this means both overwork and underwork violates that nature and will too and ultimately results in some form of chaos. So to rest is one of the ways we enjoy and declare both the goodness of God in creation and our own creation. And so in order for us to be faithful to how God has made us, how he designed us, then we must work, but we must also rest. We must Sabbath. So in setting aside a time, in being clear what the boundaries that that time has, in our sanctifying the Sabbath, in doing so, what we become then is imitators of God. And by coming imitators of God, we are celebrating his amazing design for us, his people. So, rest is a celebration of our design. Fourthly, Sabbath reminds us of our rescuer. Reminds us of our saviour. God designates the Sabbath as a reminder of his redemption. This is a really important point. It's worth beginning here. Let's turn back uh, to a book that I confess I don't read as much as I should do, but the book of Deuteronomy. And we're going to read just three verses from chapter 5. It's verses 12 through to 15. So if you've got your Bible again, let's turn to these verses. And it says this, verse 12. Here's God's command. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Notice once again his command to keep it holy. A point in time separate to the routines of work that's bounded or gated. We need that bounded, gated time, that holy, separate, consecrated time. So keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or a sojourner who's within your gates. Uh, your male servant, your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Let's just read those last few verses again, 15 onwards. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with his mighty hand and outstretched arm. And so what do we do? Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. I find this fascinating. Deuteronomy 5 ties the observance of Sabbath to God's redemption of his people. Remember the verse, verse 15, you shall remember that you're a slave in the land of Egypt. They have to remember their past, where they'd been on the treadmill, and God brought you out from there by his mighty hand and outstretched arm. 
Walter Brueggemann in his great little book, another great book uh, on the Sabbath. If you want a recommendation for a book, it's called Sabbath Resistance by Walter Brueggemann. He makes this point. Prosperity breeds amnesia. Prosperity breeds amnesia. When we're doing well, when things are going well, when the career has taken off, our salaries moved up the scale and followed suit, when we've maybe in our latter years, paid off the mortgage and we've retired. It's so easy to forget the goodness of God. When things go well, it's so easy to forget the goodness of God. The start of verse 15 encourages Israel, as they prosper, they must not forget God's grace in redeeming them from the grip of slavery. This is so important because this will save them from returning to slavery. In fact, in bringing this great deliverance to mind, what must the people of Israel's response be? How are they going to recall God's deliverance and his rescue? How will they remember that God pulled them out of their darkest days, living under the tyranny of Pharaoh in Egypt? Well, we need to look at the second part of that, verse 15. Therefore, the Lord commanded you, to keep the Sabbath day. Look at this. The Sabbath takes on a new meaning. God portrays the Sabbath day as a reenactment of Israel's liberation from slavery. What a staggering thought. Let me say that again. God therefore portrays the Sabbath day, it becomes like a reenactment of Israel's liberation from slavery. So I want to suggest this to you, that this applies to us too. Our keeping and protecting the boundaries of a day or designated time as holy, separate, do you remember that word? Unique from all others, becomes a means by which we remember and celebrate the unyoking, redemptive work of God in our lives. It's there to prompt us, to remind us how our amazing God has liberated his people from the grip of Pharaoh's money-making machine, a system that had the effect of dehumanizing the Israelites. Brueggemann describes them as, as they were simply units of capacity in Pharaoh's manufacturing system. Therefore, I want to suggest to you that implicit in this text is that anyone who cannot observe God's command uh, to Sabbath, to stop, to be still, to rest, is in some way a slave. Even if it is self-imposed, that's what you are, ultimately. I've been there. You see, rest or Sabbath reminds us of the fact that, that in Christ, God has reached down and poured us out of the systems to which we have become slaves. The power of sin, the systems of sin, through his atoning death, he has liberated us. He has freed our souls from the endless pursuit of bigger and better and greater. That was what the symbols of uh, the work in Egypt of the people of Israel were. Our stopping and our resting becomes a cry of thanks to God 
for, for reclaiming us, for rescuing us, and declares that we are much more than our working and our laboring. So taking a Sabbath, in setting aside a time, in being clear what the boundaries of that, 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 that time has, it becomes a celebration of his saving power. I, I really want to urge you to seriously think about beginning a routine of rhythm and rest, which becomes a declaration that I am not defined uh, by work and labour. God has rescued me from the tyranny of sin. So, finally, uh, fifthly, for this podcast at least, Sabbath subverts our culture. Sabbath subverts our culture. It is culture subverting. And so in this last point, what I really want to talk about is work, worth, and identity. Work, worth, and identity. Often these are inextricably linked, and they must not be. And so to do this, what we're going to do is look at Exodus 20, Exodus 20, verses 8 through to 11. So if you have your Bibles, open your Bibles. I think this verse has total application for us today. Some of these verses we're reading from the Old Testament are not simply about the Old Testament. They're verses that speak into our lives today. Listen to this, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day... This is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Here we go again. Uh, you, sh- you mustn't, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Though it's hard for us to believe when we read the first few pages of the book of Genesis, this book of beginnings, it becomes clear uh, that work was in fact a part of paradise. (laughs) Hard to believe with the jobs that some of us have got. Of course, it's now corrupted by sin, but it was a part of paradise. And it would be my conviction that uh, our future lives are going to be lives uh, in which we work, but in a totally different way. It's Ben Worthington in his um, book, uh, Work, A Kingdom Perspective on Labouring. And uh, it's, he sums it up so well. He, he writes, it's perfectly clear that God had a good plan and always included human beings working, more specifically living, in a cycle of work and rest. So God's God's perfect design for you and me included the gift of work. We've looked at that briefly already. We could therefore say that work is as much a basic human need as food, friendship, rest, prayer, and maybe even even sexuality. Um, you, you only need to speak to someone who's been made redundant or can't work for some reason to realise that work does play a critical role in enabling us Uh, as individuals, to thrive emotionally and physically and, I think, indeed, spiritually. Now, though all of this is true, we must, however, take real care. Uh, There is a powerfully deceptive inclination in our human hearts to make work 
and the results and outcomes of our work far too important. It's easy for these to become the very foundation on which we build our own personal meaning uh, and the foundation for our own identity. And here we must take real care. Let me quote Luther. Luther warned, he said this, uh, when the primary purpose of work is distorted, it often becomes a means by which I seek to distinguish myself from my neighbour, to prove myself and to prove to the world that I'm unique or significant. Work becomes less an act of worship. Instead, it becomes an object of worship. It becomes about me. Let me just read this again. It really is a fabulous quote and, and worth saying again. When the primary purpose of work is distorted, it often becomes a means by which I seek to distinguish myself from my neighbour, to prove to myself and to the world that I'm unique and or significant. Work becomes less an act of worship. Instead, it becomes an object of worship. It becomes about me. And I think this is where we have to be so careful. It's easy for work to morph into some sort of idol that holds the affections of our hearts. After all, that's what worship really is. Uh, it is about singing, but the primary use of worship uh, word in the Bible is about what is it or who is it that holds primarily the affections of our hearts. And it's so easy for work to morph into this idol and so hold the affections of our heart and as a consequence becomes the means by which we start to derive our whole sense of value, our, our sense of worth and even our sense of personhood. And so we read in God's instructions to his people to remember the Sabbath, God is drawing a line in the sand in respect of the difference between life as it was for them, that's as it was for them in Egypt, and how it was for them as free people. In Egypt, as Pharaoh's slaves, the Israelites were brickmakers, uh, and in this Pharaonic system, the work they did defined them. Work and worth became inextricably linked. So success for the Israelites becomes defined by their productivity, by the outcomes of their labour. If you couldn't make bricks, you were of no value to Pharaoh. You were literally what you produced. So, ceasing from work was more than bringing labour to a, a, a standstill or stopping having been liberated from slavery in Egypt and so then recovering the rhythm of Sabbath as God had designed and was clearing the creation uh, in the creation narrative, they declare, they're declaring the truth that their identity was not found in work. Sabbath, rest, creating a space in time that's bounded, that's consecrated, for your restoration, healing and wholeness, declares that my value, my worth and my identity are not found in what I do.
I don't know about you, but this is absolutely countercultural. We live, as we've looked at many times before, in what we would describe as a performance-driven culture where success is defined by outcomes. Here's the point. God is not defined by his outcomes. God was God and worked six days. And though he rested on the seventh, he was still God. Let me say this again. God is not defined by outcomes. He has no metrics. He's not, he's not under pressure to achieve. God was God and worked for six days. And though he rested on the seventh, he's still God. Rest doesn't change the identity of God. It affirms it. So just as his identity was not defined by work, it's my deep conviction that neither should ours be. Our worth and value take on a different perspective when we're able to rest. So that concludes this second podcast. Let me try and remind you what we've covered in this podcast. Number one, we talked about Sabbath as a part of creation. Just as God was author of our material world, so he is the author of time. We looked at the uniqueness of Sabbath rest. He blesses it and makes it holy. He consecrates it. He separates it from the mundane, the ordinary, and the common. Thirdly, Sabbath is a celebration of God's design. He's the architect of both work, but he's also the architect of rest, and by resting, we celebrate God's creation. Fourthly, we looked at God designating Sabbath as a reminder of his redemption. This is the way we remember being rescued, by stopping. And lastly, we looked at the whole idea that Sabbath subverts our culture, that our, worth, our value and our worth are not linked to work. I trust you've enjoyed this podcast. I will be doing one more final podcast, five practical ways that we can uh, create for ourselves Sabbath time. Thank you for listening to Amblecote Christian Centre's podcast. For more information about who we are, what we believe and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecotechristiancentre.org.uk.